Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the city of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. If you guys want to open up your Bibles, if you want to, whether it's on your phone or if you have a paper Bible, um, we're going to be in Exodus chapter 3 today. And um, I'm excited to get into this story. This is a story that is really familiar to many of you, I'm sure. Um, If you've been around for a while, you may be familiar with a movie that comes on TV traditionally around Easter time. If I said the words Charlton Heston, does anybody know what I'm talking about, right? The Ten Commandments. I don't know why. They, they always tend to play that around Easter. And to be honest, I was really confused. I'm like, why? Like, Easter is about Jesus. It's about, like, <laughs> you know, what he did for us on the cross and how he rose again. But they play this movie about a story from the Old Testament. And so I never really quite connected the dots. And then, as some of you may know, here at Refuge, we follow the lectionary calendar. And so what that means is churches for generations, hundreds of years, have followed a three-year pattern of studying scripture. And every Sunday, there are four passages. There's an Old Testament, a New Testament, a gospel, and a psalm. And today, Briley, as he led us in worship, read out of this week's psalm passage. And I just, that passage just struck a chord in me because how many of you guys have experienced some dry seasons, right? In your faith, in your life, like where it just seems like everything is just parched. You are dying for a drop of water. You need new life. And I just loved the psalm that Briley read, because it just encourages us that when we are thirsty, when we are feeling dry, and we are feeling parched, we have this God that we can run to, and that he offers us that living water, right? Well, this story in Exodus that we're going to read today was also one of the passages that was a part of the lectionary reading. And spoiler alert, it's about Moses encountering God at the burning bush. Now, this is a story that we're all familiar with. And again, it has to do with Moses, Ten Commandments, Charlton Heston. And I told my husband, when I read this, I'm going to struggle to not say it like it is in the movie. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Moses, right? Like, I hear that voice every time I read this passage. And so I just want you to know that I'm going to try really hard to read it like an actual, like, respectable pastor and not somebody who has grown up watching this movie. So, um, But as I was studying this passage this week, a few things stood out to me that I started, maybe, I was sharing with the team this morning that I still don't have all the answers, but it started to sort of make sense why this might show up in the Lent season as we travel through the lectionary calendar towards Easter. So with that said, open up your Bibles, Exodus chapter 3. I'm going to read this to you, and then I'm going to give you a little story time. All right, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. 
And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I will go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. At this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me, and I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go. I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, Say to the Israelites, The Lord of the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name you shall call me from generation to generation. It's a familiar story. Whether you've been in church your whole life or not, you've probably heard about this burning bush moment And when I think of Moses, especially if you're familiar with him and his whole life story, I think of this is a man who has his life together. Like, I mean, he's been given this important task. God has put him out there to rescue his people. Man, I don't know how I can live up to those standards. But the more I started to press in to this story... I really looked at the life of Moses through this lens of Lent, this idea of a need for redemption, this idea of the need for the sacrifice that Jesus made for us on the cross, the whole plan that God had to send his son to a lost and broken people to give them hope for a better future to reconcile them into a relationship with him. And I'm looking at the life of Moses through this lens, and I began to realize that Moses is not a man that has it all together. Moses is not a man that was deserving of this honor. 
He was not a man that had studied his whole life in preparation to go and be the people's rescuer. He did not have a life plan set out where this is where I see myself in five years, this is where I see myself in ten years. I'm going to pursue this degree, and I'm going to network, and I'm going to meet these people, and then I'm going to step in to this role where I am going to be number one. I'm going to be the most important man in the history of the Israelites. When I think of Moses and all that he did in my shallow thinking, I'm thinking, man, he was so awesome. But as I study his life, I began to see a broken man in need of redemption. And so Moses actually grew up in a time where a couple weeks ago, um, Brenton was talking about the time when Jesus was small and uh, the king of the region at the time, Herod, he had decided to have all of the young boys under the age of two killed off. And so they were basically hunting Hebrew babies and killing them off. Well, he was not the first to come up with that idea. It happened back when Moses was born as well, um, except it was in Egypt this time. And I actually have a map I want to show you just for context. Um, because Moses was born... Um, to the Hebrews, to, to the Israelites, and it was born during a time when you could not have any sons if you were a part of that people, because the Pharaoh of that time saw how large the Israelite people group had become, and he feared that someday they would rise up and they would take over his country, and so he decided to start basically weeding them out. And so Moses, and you can throw that map up on the screen, So you can see here, um, um, in our scripture, it says that he was on, he he was the tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, and he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. Well, he got up there, and the map is not on the screen. I'm sorry for that. So just use your imagination, okay? So he, so as he was in Midian, which is like um, east of Egypt, and there's kind of this little triangle of land in between Midian and Egypt, and it's like a peninsula that's surrounded by water, and so it's actually quite a long distance from Egypt. But how Moses got there, that's not where he began, He actually was born to a woman who didn't want to see her baby murdered. So she hid him away, Moses, for the first three months of his life. And then she realized she could hide him no more. And rather than let him be taken away from her, she prayed to her God and she released him. And he was rescued, but not just by anyone. He was rescued by the Pharaoh's daughter. And the Pharaoh's daughter said that she wanted to keep him and raise him up. And so he was raised in an Egyptian household, but not just any Egyptian household. This was Pharaoh's household. So he was given the finest of clothes. He was given the finest of, the, of education. He had the finest of foods. He was not raised according to his Israelite traditions. He was raised in the Egyptian home. And yet as he grew up, he sensed that there was an issue. There's something different about him. 
He knew that he was not truly an Egyptian, even though it was the only life he had ever known. And he began to see how his Israelite people were being treated, and he went out there, and he actually got into um, like a like a fight with an Egyptian guard. He was trying to save a man who was being beaten. He ended up murdering this Egyptian guard. And in an effort to cover it up, he just quickly buried him and went about his business. And then the next time he was able to go and be around the Israelite people, he thought, you know, I'm going to be one of you now. But they didn't see him and accept him as one of them. Instead, they saw him as this Egyptian-raised Israelite who, who do you think you are, right? Are, do you think you're better than us? Who do you, we don't want to have anything to do with, with you. In fact, what are you going to do? Are you going to murder us like you murdered that Egyptian guard? And suddenly, Moses was freaking out because he was thinking, they must know. Everybody must know what I've done. And so he ran away. Now, he was... This was the early portion of his life. They think that maybe he was about 40 years old when he escaped from Egypt and went into Midian. And so here he is. He's running away. He's landing in this new land far, far away. And he ends up at a well. And he ends up meeting his future wife, who happens to be the daughter of the priest of the tribe, the head of the tribe. And they end up getting married, and she introduces him to her people as an Egyptian, and he does not deny it. He doesn't say, oh, no, I'm an Israelite, I'm one of God's people. No, he just goes along with that narrative. Like, okay, I look Egyptian, I act Egyptian, I guess I'll just be Egyptian for the rest of my life. Moses, as he enters into this new life, he ends up starting over. He is no longer one of the Pharaoh's household. He is no longer living a life of riches. Instead, as you will see in verse 1, as we read, he is like a shepherd now. So he's out there tending flocks and taking care of the land and being um, a, a whole different person. He has left behind his life, including his God. This is a man who had left everything. And he's out in the desert, alone with the sheep, the sheep, and all of a sudden he sees this bush on fire. And that's the first thing that caught my attention about this story, is that God got Moses' attention. God did what he needed to do to get Moses' attention including this supernatural moment of having a bush on fire, and yet it doesn't burn. And the amazing thing about this is that it had been a very, very long time since God had spoken to his people. God showed up in a real and tangible way, not to a man who deserved this honor, but to a broken man in need of redemption. And I love that so much because that is what Jesus does for us. He shows up in our lives in different ways, trying to get our attention. And in this portion, in uh, verse 5, I believe, uh, it says, God says, do not come any closer. 
Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy ground. He is not entering into a temple. He's not entering into a church sanctuary. He's not entering into any sort of monastery or any sort of religious area that we would begin to think is maybe holy ground. He is in the middle of the desert, and God shows up and says, where I am is holy ground. But Moses' reaction was to hide his face. He was afraid to look at God. I can imagine, when I really begin to think about where Moses is at in his life, here he has completely turned away from his people, he has turned away from his God, and all of a sudden God shows up, what would you think is the first thing God would say to you? How dare you? Where have you been? What have you been doing? Why would you do that? Right? We fear that God's going to show up and be accusatory. He's going to smite us. Right? I remember when I got married, I was getting married in a church, and that was really, I get it, that's traditional. A lot of people are like, oh, wow, a church, everybody does that. Okay, well, I didn't grow up in a church, and when my mom came to the wedding, she made a comment that I don't know if I'm going to get struck by lightning simply for walking in that building. Because she had a fear of God, and she knew that she had not been following God in her life. That is a legitimate fear that people have, that as soon as they encounter God, if they haven't, you know, crawled in until their knees were bloody, if they haven't made all these sacrifices, if they haven't done all of this stuff, then surely when they encounter God, he's going to smite them. But that's not what we find here. We simply find a God who shows up and does something miraculous to get the attention of this man. And then God, rather than smite Moses or shame him for turning his back on his people and on his God, God simply gives him an assignment. God gave Moses an assignment in this. It was like, talk about plot twist. I mean, you'd expect something like, you know, you need to, you know, repent 50 times and do all of these things before I'll even, you know, show up in your presence. But no, he shows up and he gives Moses an assignment and he invites him into be part of his plan. You see, God heard the suffering of his people. And this was his plan for redemption. And he wanted to invite Moses to be a part of it. I don't know where you're at with your walk with the Lord. I don't know if you're one of those people that you're afraid that if God showed up today in your presence, he would smite you or not. But I want to encourage you that God has a plan for you. And he has a plan for his people. And because God is so personal that despite our past, despite our education level, despite our qualifications, despite the areas in our lives that we don't want anybody to look at, God wants to partner with us to see his plan come to fulfillment. Part of that plan, as we travel through the Lent season towards Easter, was to bring his son to earth. And we sing about it in one of the songs this morning that that he brought a child down from heaven, and he was born born in a barn. He was 
He was a baby laid out in one of those things that, that animals eat their food out of. And yet he is the king of kings. And he sacrificed himself for us, not because we did anything to deserve it, but because of his love for us. And he has given us an assignment as well. He wants us to go and rescue the lost. He wants us to bring this good news to the people who have never heard it before. He wants us to get up and dust ourselves off and come to him and let us be healed by him, to let us be loved by him so that we could go to the people who are lost and dying in today's world and they have never heard of this man. They have never heard of this plan before. They think that Easter is simply to celebrate the new season of spring and for bunnies and for eggs and for chocolate. And yes, I love Easter chocolate. Okay, let me just, let me just put that out there. I love Easter chocolate. But it's the true story of it is that there's hope. There is hope for our future, and we have been invited to be a part of that assignment. God told his disciples, and we read it in his word, that we are to go and make disciples of all nations. And so just like Moses, whether we are deserving or not, we have been given this assignment to spread this hope around the world. And then God gives Moses assurance. I love this part because here's Moses, clearly undeserving, in need of redemption, and yet given this assignment. And rather than say, oh, I got you, God. I got this. Yeah, okay, I totally know what I'm going to do. Let me add him. Moses immediately begins to shrink back, and he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. I don't know who you think I am, but I'm not the guy. And I know a lot of us, we feel that way about anything that God gives us as an assignment, we usually are at first very hesitant. And that was Moses' reaction. And yet God assured him that not only is Moses the guy that he has been picked to do this job, but that he's not going to do it alone. God said, I will be with you. And he gives us that same assurance. Through his redemption, God enters into a relationship with us. You see, God is a very personal God. And he even introduced himself to Moses by name, I am. And so when he said, I am with you, literally it means the Lord is with you. And so he encourages Moses that, yes, I'm giving you this unworthy, in need of redemption person, this giant, impossible job to do, but you will not do it alone, for I am with you. And Jesus gives us that same assurance. And as we reflect on what we are going through as we enter into this Easter season, we can be assured of the fact that Jesus he died on the cross for you. He died on the cross for every soul on this earth. And then he overcame death and the grave. And then he did not leave us alone when he went back up into heaven, but he gave his Holy Spirit. And then the song that we sang where we cry out for God's Spirit to rest on us. 
I want to assure you that when you allow God to redeem you, his spirit doesn't just rest on you and then you risk him flying off away, but he is within you. And he goes with you wherever you go, facing whatever fear you are facing, facing whatever challenge that you are going through right now, that Jesus has left us with his Holy Spirit. And so we are not alone. I want to invite Briley and Sam to come back up. We're going to close with a song. But I just love how personal God is. And I want to invite you, as we close today, as we have begun to make a connection between this weird Easter story of Moses and the burning bush and God's redemptive purposes, I want to invite you to personalize this. I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord, but I know that I myself have faced dry seasons. I know what it feels like to feel unworthy of even being in the presence of the Lord, much less going ahead and being obedient to the assignment that he has given me. I know what it feels like to feel thirsty and parched because God seems so distant or because I have done something that I know I should not have done. I know what it feels like to be afraid to walk into church because you just wonder, do they see it on my face? Do they know what I've done? Do they know what I said? Do they know what I have thought? I have understood that shame. I have understood that fear. But I can assure you that God has proven himself faithful to me time and time again. There is nothing, nothing that you have done or could have done in your life that would deem you unworthy for the love of Christ. And we're going to close out with a song, and I want to pray over you right now. And I want to encourage you as you sing, you may feel like you want to shrink back in your seat. You don't want God to see you right now. But I want to encourage you, open up your spirit to him today. Let him into those places that you want to hide away, that you don't want anybody to know about. This is the season for that reflection. This is the season to begin to understand how something that happened 2,000 years ago could have any relation to what you're going through today. I just want to encourage you to open up your spirit to him. Lord, I thank you so much for your plan of redemption that so many thousands of years ago, you showed up in a bush in the form of a flame in somewhere that was just dirt. Moses didn't have to walk into a temple or into a church to find you. 
In fact, Moses wasn't even looking for you. But you saw Moses where he was today, where he was then, and you see us where we are today. So, Lord, I don't know where people's hearts are here in this building or online. I don't know if they're searching for you or if they are running away from you. But I know that you see them and not with eyes of judgment, but eyes with love. Lord, your scriptures also say that your kindness leads us to repentance. And so, Lord, I pray that anyone who may be fearful of you will begin to sense your kindness, your love for them, your redemptive power, that their stories can be turned around and that today can be a brand new day. That there is nothing that they have done to deem them unworthy of you, Lord God. If they would just open up, let it all out before you and let you do the hard work of cleaning them up and making them whole again. Lord, thank you for this work that you are doing in our lives today. Thank you for the work you have done in my life because I know that I would not be who I am today without you and without your redemption. And I pray, Lord, if there's anyone in this room or online who has never heard this before, but they're feeling something in their chest, Lord, I remember that feeling of weightiness, that feeling like there's an elephant sitting on my chest. I remember that feeling and thinking, what is happening to me? But Lord, I recognize that that is your spirit. You are knocking on doors to hearts and souls. I pray, Lord God, that those hearts and souls would swing open wide and accept you today. Thank you, Jesus, for your lovingness. Thank you for your kindness. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.